Hi, everybody. I'm Ralph Benmergi. Welcome to Yohopitzville, brought to you by Pear Tree Canada. An ongoing series where we look at a Jewish life in the far-flung locales of this fine country we call home. We've done people Glace Bay. Uh, we've been in suburbs outside of Montreal where people have to drive in to get a decent bagel. We've gone into, uh, oh, I just, there's too many. Just go look them up. There's a ton. Years ago, I kept thinking, I want to live on the West Coast. And I kept thinking, well, the work is in Vancouver. So where would I live? Now, when you grow up in a place like Toronto, like I did, there was always the Toronto Islands. And you would think, well, I could live on the Toronto Islands and ferry in and out, and that would be cool. So I discovered a place called Bowen Island, where people seem to be doing the same thing on the west coast of this country. One of those people is Ariana Rain, and uh, she, though she's presently in the United Kingdom, is a resident of that fine island. How are you, Ariana? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. So uh, why don't you tell people what Bowen Island is, for those who don't know? Well, Bowen Island is um, a 20-minute ferry ride from Horseshoe Bay, which is the ferry terminal, which itself is about 15 minutes from downtown Vancouver. So we're very close. The ferry, the ferry leaves every hour, most, most, most of the time, not overnight. And we're an island of about 3,200 people, lots of kids, lots of artists, um, a lot of artisans. We're three and a half by five and a half miles in size. Uh, so you mm, takes 15 or 20 minutes to drive from one end to the other. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So yep. I would assume that for some people, this would be, I can live there and work in Vancouver proper. Is that right? Yes. I mean, however, you're then dependent on the ferry schedule which um, many people love, you know, they get, they, they like the, the time, the downtime of the 20 minute ferry ride. Mm. Um, even before uh, work from home from COVID, many people had worked out ways to reduce their uh, going into town every day, or even trying to find ways they could work remotely from the island. Does it attract a certain kind of person, Bowen Island? You have to be pretty independent. Um, I remember the, uh, the moving company, which was a Bowen company, when I, we moved over in 1992, he said, I may be moving you back in a year from now. As that happens, it's the winters. The summers are unbelievable. You feel like you're in the Mediterranean on a Greek island. We've got beaches everywhere, you know, three o'clock, you kick off work and you go down to the beach, have dinner, hang out with your friends. It's beautiful. Winters are a completely different story. They're long and dark. Uh, there's no street lights. You've got to make your own entertainment or you've got to, be self-resilient. We have power outages, you know, so people, you have to be somewhat, somewhat, have to be somewhat rugged to mm. make it, make it through a winter. And lots of rain. Oh, yes. I mean, it's the same climate as Vancouver. We're north, we're a little bit north. So sometimes we get as much rain as the North Shore of Vancouver does. November is our worst month. That's where we get, you know, day after day of rain. Of course, we just came through some of the, I was here in the UK, but we came through some of the worst rain that, I mean, I've never seen the amount of rain that fell was kind of unbelievable. Yeah. Well. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of musicians and artists that lends itself to living on the island. Um, but you now we've got more, uh, more professionals and, you know, people in the tech industry that have worked out how they can work, work from home. 
So for shopping for groceries and all that, there's a decent sized grocery store, I assume. There's a grocery store. There's a health food store called the Ready Potato. Um, there's delivery, you know, some of the, st- you can, uh, the, the, the trucks that come over and deliver food, uh, fresh market, um, certain, you can delivery. Or people go in, you know, if they're not working, if they're not working every day from town, then maybe go in, like I go in maybe once a week to groceries in West Vancouver. There's a Costco about an hour, 45 minutes away. It's, it's quite doable. The only thing we haven't talked about is schools. Uh-huh. <laughs> ah, so we have K to, K to seven uh, elementary. We have a grade six to 10 private school called Island Pacific, but all the high school kids so, who are not in the private school have to take a ferry every single morning and a ferry every single day back to uh, one of two high schools in West Vancouver. Wow. So those are the, so those are the ferries you try to avoid, or at least avoid going upstairs, the 7.30 in the morning or the 3.30, because either you have a whole bunch of kids half asleep on the 7.30, that's not so bad. The 3.30 coming back uh, is, uh, they're pretty high energy, but it's really quite adorable. The grade, the eighth, grade eight, the, every grade has their own section on the ferry. You know, the grade eights all sit together, the grade nines. Um, my two yeah. youngest children did did that commute, for, you know, and it's actually... You know, they make good friends. You make good friends. You're very, you have to, kids have to be pretty organized. Parents can't just drop yeah. off a, a forgotten lunch or a forgotten homework. <laughs> it would take a while. All right. So that's, that's, that's the environ, as it were, of, of, yeah. of Bowen Island. It sounds uh, like what I thought it would be, which is lovely and yeah. uh, at times challenging. Now, how long ago did you arrive at Bowen Island? It was 30 years ago, 1992. Uh, we moved, moved over from Vancouver when our youngest was turning five and starting um, kindergarten. And we wanted, we wanted to be in more of a community than we were finding in Vancouver. And we also wanted to live a little more rurally. Um, so that's, so we came in 92. Okay. So, uh, you know, sometimes when you move to places as a Jewish person in Canada, you have to, you know, factor in, are there any other Jews here? whether yeah. you're religious or not religious, it's just, are there any other Jews here? So did that question pop into your head 30 years ago, or did you just think it doesn't not matter at the, Jews? Not at the time. Both my husband and I, who are both Jewish, were not actually practicing or doing anything other than Passover and Hanukkah, which we did. Um, I have a cousin who lives in Vancouver. We used, always did Passover with them, but it wasn't a factor when we moved there. Hmm. It wasn't until about... Uh, Maybe about four or five years later, we got invited to a Passover Seder on Bowen. You know, someone was putting one on. And so we started realizing, oh, there is a Jewish community here. And we started connecting. And many of the, to move to Jew, move as a Jewish, as a Jew to Bowen, you have to be pretty independent. And we started creating our own community. I'd say about 1997 or so, we started um, doing things a bit more formally then what do you what do you mean you have to be more independent well independent in terms of if you're really uh going to practice judaism you'd want to be near a synagogue or a jewish day school so many of many of the people in our community were interfaith interfaith marriages um uh, just a few of us were both both couples both parts of the couple were jewish but not moving there except recently we've had a few people move and contact me saying, I hear there's a Jewish community on Bowen. I'd like to be part of it. But Ooh. certainly in the, er- in the early late nineties, early two thousands, it really wasn't the case. 
So what does Jewish life look like on a place like Poland? Well, um, at one point we were having, uh, when our, all our group of us, our kids were young, every month we'd have a Kabbalah Shabbat. It would be a potluck. And, that, and we'd get 20, 20 people and lots of kids. And we learned songs uh, based on the, the more the Jewish renewal tradition, Shlomo Karlbach. And um, we had people learn, you know, who, learn, who could play guitar, learn them. We had uh, one couple move to the island and his name was Efron. And he really knew the Jewish prayers. He'd, uh, he'd help lead services and he could fluent in Hebrew. So he would lead our Kabbalah Shabbats and became a monthly uh, potluck at different people's houses. So that's you, pretty, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Like, did you, yeah. were you kind of surprised by the fact that this was or, organically growing on the island? I loved it. You know, it was, we, we you know, we really kind of, uh, we, we embraced email by sending out, you know, that we're having Kabbalah Shabbat at this person's house, this person's house. And then we, someone said, let's have a Hanukkah party. So we figured out how we had a Hanukkah party. And we have one member of the group who's an architect and she, brought driftwood and nuts like of nuts and bolts and she had all the kids make their own driftwood menorahs nice. um, and then and then we had a, someone move to the island um uh, our school is a is, is a is a community school and the community school coordinator knew that i was kind of the the information person so she'd send new families my way and so one couple said we're doing let's have a rosh hashanah party i said well let's go for it so we <laughs> put together a Rosh Hashanah party. And then it kind of, then someone said, oh, there's something called Tuba Shavat in January, fruits and trees. So we put together a Tuba Shavat Seder. Like we kind of re looked at resources and we did have a couple rabbis who, uh, one of whom was a good friend of my husband's from Toronto. And he came and spent a few months on Bowen and he kind of taught us some of the, and then our Passover Seders have become somewhat famous. We started having them in, our house was the biggest in our house and gradually we outgrew that and now we have a before covid we'd have 55 to 60 people at our passover seders people would come who left the island people leave the island when their kids maybe graduate from high school they come back with their parents and their kids <coughs> so we it's wow. pretty pretty dynamic yeah i mean you, you just keep growing different branches of the tree as time goes on i mean i wonder mm. if one of the reasons it started to grow though would have been people like you would have moved there and then you would have had kids and then you would have had that <laughs> age-old question of right. what am i going to pass on to my kids was that a factor clearly our, our my husband i said is from toronto and our nephew had a bar mitzvah that we flew back for and a few years later our son who had not been to Hebrew school. I mean, we were doing some Jewish things. He said, I want to have a bar mitzvah. And at that point, we actually found him a Hebrew teacher on, in, went north, in North Vancouver. And we contacted my, my husband's friend, Rabbi Mar, Yitzhak Marmestein. And he said, yeah, let's do it. So he actually got prepared for a bar mitzvah. And we had it in, uh, in August in our front lawn. And um, must have had 50, 60 people. What, so, made, him, what made your kid want a bar mitzvah? Because... I have four children and I, not one of them wanted to go through the, the year of bar mitzvah prep. <laughs> yeah. Just like, you know, are there gifts at the end? That was about it, but there's no other piece. So what, what, what do you think made your kid go, mom, I'd like the bar mitzvah? That's a good question. I'd have to reflect on that. I really say it came out of sort of nowhere other than we were having these Shabbats and we were getting together for Passover 
and I think he remembered his nephew's his nephew's bar mitzvah, and he mm. said, "I'd like to do it." I mean, it's hard it's hard to know, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it's interesting because he he was seeing yeah. you actually in one way or another practice. Do you, right? How was your Judaism, your personal Judaism, changed <sighs> or evolved over the years doing it this way? Well, I think it was really when I was in my early 40s and had moved to Bo and I was sort of part of the move there was a spiritual search. And I did not grow up in an observant home at all. My parents were quite rebels. And uh, picking up some books, started to read and just decided I wanted to really find out more about Judaism. And something just clicked. Well, something just clicked. I went, this is my home. You know, I'd been involved in new, new age stuff. I'd been involved right. in looking at other traditions. I went, and then I think being introduced to the, the mystical side of Judaism, Kabbalah, and I think there's something here that really resonates with me. Um, and then I just, you know, just started studying and uh, going to seminars and reading. And um, it, my enthusiasm for what Judaism has and can bring um, just grew so immensely. What, so what effect does being in a truly natural setting have on your spirituality when you think about it in these terms? That's a really good question. Um, as I got more involved in understanding really about Shabbat and the high holidays, uh, I started going to shul in Vancouver more regularly. There's a one called Orshalom that we belong yes. to and we started going to. Uh, in the summer when the weather's beautiful, sometimes we would just stay home and go for a walk in the woods and say, this is our, this is our service for, for today. You know, and um, I think blending, blending the two. I had a good friend who was a rabbi who came to, to Bowen Island and spent a few months. And she well, had a vision of actually moving me out of my house because I live in a big house with lots of bedrooms. She said, let's make your house a Shabbat retreat center. And people come over Friday afternoons. We do a you know, Kabbalah Shabbat. And then they just get to be where it's quiet in nature and have the weekend as a, as a Shabbat retreat. Um, so there is something special about being in nature and just breathing yeah. the fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, because the, the idea, right. Is that you do six days of doing yeah. and then you have a day of being, and right. if you, you can be in a place that makes whatever is the miracle of all this available to you, then all the better. Right. I mean, what you know, the West coast I've always found is so undeniably on the planet as opposed to an urban environment like Toronto or Montreal or any of the major right. cities, which is a built environment of that humans do. Um, right. So, there, you know, I, I would imagine in some ways it's deep in the experience for people like you and others. Um, nowadays, I guess, do, do people, are, do you, are you surprised when somebody walks up to you in Bowen and says, uh, I just moved here, I'm Jewish? Or is it sort of like people like you are identified as, the Jewish connection right. on Bowen Island. I love it. I mean, it, it does happen. It does happen. What just, I don't know if, if um, you knew this, but we just um, had a, a grant, a, a neighborhood grant called a small neighborhood small grant that I applied for to build our first menorah. And it was built at a driftwood because every year at this time that we have something called light up the cove where um, all these six foot Christmas trees are lit up. It's a fundraiser for our, um, our local children's center. And every year we go, where's the menorah? You know, we're kind of hidden, you know, we're here, but we're hidden. And so I decided, we decided this was the year to do it. And so Saturday night, there's a beautiful six foot menorah built out of driftwood 
in, over on a plywood frame was lit to 200 people were there. Wow. I, I mean, because we advertised it in, in the paper and the people who did light up Bowen said before we have, you know, light up the Cove and Santa Claus, we were having our first Hanukkah celebration. And they, I watched it from the UK at 1.30 in the morning you know, <laughs> on Facebook Live. And it was, oh, I was in tears. I was in tears, Ralph. It was such a, such a beautiful event. And people were so happy to include, to include us in the December celebrations of light. Is that what the tears are about, about inclusion? Yeah, yeah and just, you know, it, 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 there were, I'd had, had actually been, unfortunately, uh, had an anti-Semitic incident in the summer um, that was quite surprising. Someone who was, I thought was quite educated and, you know, bright, kind of tried to educate me that the Holocaust had never happened. It was, she was a Holocaust denier. It was wow. shocking. So this was my response to that. I, I, I reached out to my rabbi and I said, okay, what do we do? And she said, education and visibility. Mm -hmm. And I think worldwide with the rise of anti-Semitism, we're not the first community to have decided to make ourselves more visible. And Hanukkah was such a perfect opportunity to do that. Well, you know, it's one of the interesting things in doing Yehopitzville and doing this podcast where I find that when someone is Jewish and they move into a, a place where there's hardly, like, hardly any Jewish people, they have sometimes to make a decision as to whether they will just become invisible, which is so easy to do as long as you're uh, Caucasian, uh, mm -hmm. or to actually uh, say, uh, make a point of saying, no, I happen to be Jewish. Yeah. And that menorah was a way of saying, no, no, we're here, uh, get right. used to it. You know, so that's very interesting. And that person who, who the Holocaust, denied, they live on the island. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's tough. So when you see them in the supermarket, that that can get personal, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, I haven't bumped into that person since then. What they're I not, found, they're not in what, the kosher section. I'll just tell you. No, that. that's right. <laughs> what what was which was really interesting for me, Ralph, is when we got together as a group, you know, the core group of us to discuss this, I realized that 80% of us are first first generation Holocaust survivors. Mm. And so there has been that kind of theme of hide, don't stand out, don't, mm. don't make yourself too visible. And part of the healing that happened during this whole process is that the, um, we ran, the undercurrent was quite, our local paper was quite interested in this whole project. And part of the funding was education. And so the second article they did, the first article was on the history of Bowen Jewish community, like we're talking about. But the second one, some of these people stepped forward and said, I want to tell them what it was like growing up yeah. uh, Jewish in Montreal with parents who told me to hide or parents who had, you know, came from Hungary, uh, displaced persons camp. So they actually were interviewed. And for two, for all, two of them, I know for sure, this is the first time they'd ever publicly kind of said, not only am I Jewish, I'm proud to be Jewish and my parents did survive the Holocaust, but these are the wounds that I carry as a result of that. So the whole community got to read these stories. Yeah, that's beautiful because, yeah. you know, intergenerational trauma is real and how you grow into it or evolve through it is the choice yeah. you have to make. It either can be, you know, for so many people, it's their parents just couldn't bring them. They didn't want to talk to their kids about it. They didn't want yeah. to pass it on, but it's there anyway. So a yep. driftwood menorah and 200 people showing up. That's yep. pretty cool. That's pretty yep. cool. Yep. So what do you think is the, the future of the Bowen Island Jewish community? Well, I'm looking forward to going home. I'll get home in the spring. I've got five grandchildren in the UK, which is why wow. I'm here. 
right. and I haven't seen haven't seen them in one one family I haven't seen in two years. I'll go back in the spring. We'll have to see what the restrictions are for Passover, but hopefully we can do our Passover, you know, our group Passover Seder. Um, what we did this summer, which was beautiful, every two or three weeks we did a Kabbalah Shabbat on the beach. We brought our the table down, potluck, and no matter who was there, if we we have one beach that face west, so we could have the sunset. If you want to join us, Ralph, please let <laughs> believe me. You're like a cheap shirt. It's like, yeah. Who's that? Who's and, the guy standing in the? <laughs> I think it's Ralph. Leave him alone. Yeah, yeah. So, Isn't that you know, crazy? Just, just, just we'll just have to see where we're, we're pretty. I think the um the editor of the Undercurrent called us formally informal. Right, because so, I was just thinking. What would yeah. what what would it have a positive or negative effect if somebody said we're create we're going to put a synagogue on Bowen Island? Yeah, no, <laughs> right. Well, actually, we gave ourselves a name. So in two thousand and five, I think it was. I tend to be kind of the organizer. I said, I think we should give ourselves a name. You know, this is a. Mm -hmm. So we're called Sharat Hayam, Song of the Sea, and the next year, uh, this fellow I mentioned before. Emailed my husband and I and a few other people saying, you know, we can we can buy a Torah on eBay. I went, no, 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 you can't buy a Torah on eBay. Well, sure enough, we did. We bought a rescue Torah from Israel wow. that was not considered kosher because some of the the um the right. ink was not. And so we actually had a. It came to us. We had a big Torah welcoming event. We've had a couple bar and bat mitzvahs from that Torah on the wow. island. We've had so we have. It's just there. We'll have to see. I know, I know, but I, I just sometimes I think yeah. to myself, you know, it's the old joke about the guy on the, the Jewish guy on the deserted island and the the the, right. the, the the ship comes to save him. And it's just like, let me show you what I did before we go. Because, okay, so this is my shul. This is my living room. This is my kitchen. <laughs> this is my thing. This is my shul. I thought that was your shul. I wouldn't go to that shul if it was my <laughs> Right? We, 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 we won't have a shul on the island and we won't have anything very formal you know we we seem to have if you want to go to show people go into town right you know, uh, it's close enough uh but we've we we just we try to have we'll have events as people as the desire comes up uh and we were there to support each other you know in a situation like i had this summer <laughs> that the, the, the community was there was there to uh to, you know to support me and look what grew out of this you know we ended up having yeah. this this public event yeah, so we'll crazy. see. We'll, we'll see what happens. All right. So, Song of the Sea. Sharat Hayam. That's Sharat right. Hayam. All right. I love it. But Thank I you. love I, I love that this thing grows grew completely organically. There was yeah. no organization or institution that said this is how you do it, this is what you do. You just sort of found each other. Everybody found a way to find each other and do this yeah. together because it was a connective tissue for all of you. It's just so yeah. interesting. Well, all mm -hmm. right. So uh, I'll wait till you get back from England and then I'll I'll just show up. <laughs> <laughs> Love to have you. Love to have you. Look, a Moroccan guy. And then, you know, I <laughs> change the vibe. Uh, I really want to thank you for doing this with me. Uh, I hope that uh, you have a safe time while you're in uh, England and uh what a lovely thing uh, that you've done with Bowen Island and, and the group that you're so uh, important to. Thank you for doing this, Ariana. Thank you very much, Ralph. Take care. Ari Ariana Rain, and now we know about Bowen Island, but you see, people who live on places like this don't want you to know about them because then you can erect them.
You know, ask anybody on Pender Island and they'll tell you the same thing. Uh, that has been, this has been You Hope It's Real, sponsored by Pear Tree Canada, reducing the after-tax cost of giving for Canadian major gift owners. I'm your host, Ralph ben Murgy. Our producer is Michael Freeman. Our music is by Louis Samayo. And if you want to travel with us across this great country, visiting more small Jewish communities, subscribe or on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to hear more of my work, I host another podcast called Not That Kind of Rabbi. And if you want to hear more Canadian Jewish stories, you can find them at the Canadian Jewish News' website, cjn.ca. Thanks. You can uh, have yourself a wonderful well, couple of weeks, and I'll see you back on the CJN podcast site very soon. We'll see you next time on You Hope It's Film.